Slava Isus Agastu, Slava Navika, glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. This is Father Basil again doing another podcast. And again, I'm going through this book called A Light for Life, Part 3 of the Mystery Lived from God With Us Publications. And we're continuing to talk about repentance. A person may be baptized as a child or only come to Christ as an adult. A person raised as a Christian may be distracted by the environment and by the circumstances of life and neglect or even repudiate the Christian way. Such a person may then return to the church, seeing their life as lacking an important dimension. In either case, for faith to be a dynamic force in life, the believer must undergo some kind of conversion experience. It may be dramatic and immediately life-changing, or more gradual and less spectacular. Even a person who has never stopped church attendance needs such an experience if their Christian life is to be anything more than mechanical. Many today call this being born again. Traditional spiritual writers speak of it as initial repentance turning from a godless to a God-centered life. Often people come to church for an aesthetic or uplifting experience. They like the music, the icons, the fellowship, but they also want to continue living an amoral life. In Christianity, this cannot be done. It is fantasy, delusion. In repentance, we are commending our whole life to Christ our God, not just the spiritual part of it. We cannot separate the life of prayer from the moral life. As mentioned above, in the spiritual effort, we seek God and his will in order to do it. We cannot seek the one without the other. In effect, we would be telling God, I want an intimate experience of you, but do not expect me to act as though I belong to you. From what specifically are we to turn in repentance? St. Paul described the constant, the contrast between godly and ungodly behavior in terms of darkness and light, then illustrated what he meant by the works of darkness. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly in the, as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This theme would be taken up by the writers of the early church and find its way into the theology of baptism, which the fathers called illumination, the replacement of darkness with light. The early church did not seek to provide ethical principles, much less an exhaustive list of sins. It viewed ethics as simply the logical consequence of being in Christ. Besides affirming the moral teachings of Christ and of the Old Testament, it, is, it frequently speaks of specific styles of life as inconsistent with life in Christ. These works of evil include from 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10. Do you not 
not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor sexual perverts, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. And from Colossians 3, 5 to 10, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you lived in them, but now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and full talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. From 1 Timothy 1, 9-10 Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, immoral persons, sodomites, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And from 1 Clement 35, 5-6, Casting off from ourselves all unrighteousness and lawlessness, covetousness, strife, malice and deceit, gossip and slander, hatred of God, pride and arrogance, vanity and inhospitality. For those who do such things are hateful to God. And from the book called the Didache 2-4, You shall not corrupt boys. You shall not be sexually promiscuous. You shall not steal. You shall not practice magic. You shall not engage in sorcery. You shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. You shall not covet your neighbor's possessions. You shall not commit perjury. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not speak evil. You shall not hold a grudge. You shall not be double-minded or double-tongued. For the double-tongue is a deadly snare. Ongoing repentance. Repentance never ends. It includes not only an initial turning away from sin and our mortality, but a continually refined redirection and unification of our whole being toward the very center of our being. We are called to progressively subject our physicalness to our reason, and our reason to our heart's spirit, and our spirit to the spirit of God. It is for this continually refocusing that we frequently pray in our services, that the rest of our lives may be spent in peace and repentance, let us ask the Lord. In this sense, even Jesus repented. When in the desert, when in the desert temptations, he oriented himself toward the best manner of carrying out his mission as Messiah and Savior. Or in the Garden of Gethsemane during his Passion, when he oriented himself toward his Father's will. Traditionally, the scriptures and the church fathers have spoken of three powerful helps in the process of repentance. They are tools to move us to repentance, as well as being channels through which we can express a repentant life, 
both leading to and expressing repentance. These three tools lead one to an ever deeper repentance and are also expressions of repentance already existing within. The measure of each depending on the amount of spiritual growth experienced by the individual. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are actually a declaration of independence, an act of rebellion against the slavery and over-attachment to the fallen world induced by our passions. They are a definite no to being centered on ourselves, the daily rat race of modern life in the fallen world. They restore us to proper relationship with God, others, the world, and ourselves. Through them, we regain our vocation as stewards by fasting, as prophets by prayer, and as priests by almsgiving, as well as our freedom in being servants and children of God. The injunction of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is frequently recorded in the Old Testament. Be not impatient in prayers and neglect not the giving of alms. Often the intensity of one's prayer is gauged by the degree that one's prayer is accompanied by fasting and almsgiving. I turn to the Lord God, pleading an earnest prayer, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus is said to assume, assume these practices as the normal exercises of Jewish spiritual life. When you give alms, when you pray, when you fast. Fasting strips us and empties us of our self-centeredness, inauthenticity, and attachment to the empty glitter of the world. Prayer centers on us on and fills us with God. By almsgiving, we share ourselves, our time, our talent, and our treasures, all given to us by God, with others in a communion of life. Prayer orients to fasting and almsgiving. Fasting enables us to be emptied so as to be filled through prayer. Almsgiving creates a flow of communion and life and love from God through us to others. It prevents us from stagnating to a possessive, grasping approach to things themselves. So here are some uh, passages that talk about repentance in our Christian tradition. First from the book of Joel. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For gracious and merciful is he, slow to anger, rich in kindness, and relenting in punishment. From the book of Tobit, prayer and fasting are good, but better than either is almsgiving accompanied by righteousness. A little with righteousness is better than abundance with wickedness. It is better to give alms than to store up gold, for almsgiving saves one from death and expiates every sin. Those who regularly give alms shall enjoy a full life. From Maximus the Confessor, who wrote the first century on love, almsgiving heals the soul's insensitive power. Fasting withers sensual desire. Prayer purifies the intellect and prepares it for the contemplation of created beings. 
from Philoxenus of Mabog, who wrote on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Repentance does not take place without the Holy Spirit. It is accompanied by fastings and vigils, by almsgiving and prayer, all of which are the result of the activity of the Spirit, just as Paul said. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because it intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. From the sayings of the Desert Fathers, the alphabetical collection, a soldier once asked Abba Mias if God accepted repentance. After the elder had taught him many things, he said, Tell me, my dear, if your cloak is torn, do you throw it away? He replied, No, I mend it and use it again. The elder said to him, If you are so careful about your cloak, will not God be equally careful about his creature? And from Mark the Ascetic in the Philokalia, Volume 1, There is a sin which is always unto death. It is the sin for which we do not repent. For this sin, even a saint's prayers will not be heard. So, all this shows us the importance of repentance, the importance of fasting, the importance of prayer and almsgiving. And we don't have to be afraid, again, of repentance. Don't be afraid to turn to God. Don't be afraid to say to God, I have made a mistake. I have done wrong. I have, you know, I have, I have not done right. And I'm going to try to do better in the future. You know, don't be afraid to go to confession. Don't go be afraid to go and, and pray to God for healing. Because we all need healing in our world. All right. God bless you. Have a good day.